Newsletter, August 2023. Venusian mysteries are afoot. As August opens, the sun is in mid-Leo, faithfully advancing about one degree per day, as usual. Meanwhile, Venus is retrograde, having made a station near the end of Leo back on July 22nd. That means that the sun is going forward and Venus is going backwards, and they are locked on a collision course. The two finally come together in a conjunction on August 13th. That happens in 20 degrees, 28 minutes of Leo. After that, Venus will continue to move backwards until September 3rd, 43 days after turning retrograde. By that time, the Sun will be well into Virgo. Now, built into that ho-hum recitation of dates is one of the most mysterious, elegant mysteries of our solar system, the Venus Pentangle. It will take us a few steps to understand it, starting with the fact that there are two distinct types of Sun-Venus conjunctions, inferior ones and superior ones, so-called. Most astrologers, myself included, don't make much of a fuss about their differences, but maybe we should. Think of an archery target with concentric rings. The sun is the bullseye. The first ring out is Mercury's orbit. The second ring is Venus's orbit. The third one is us. Mars orbits further out in space, so it would be the fourth ring, and so on, all the way out to Pluto and beyond. When Venus is lined up halfway between Earth and the sun, we have an inferior conjunction. But then sometimes Venus aligns with the Sun from the opposite side of its orbit. That's the superior conjunction. Another way to say it is that at the inferior conjunction, the order is Earth-Venus-Sun, while at the superior conjunction, it's Earth-Sun-Venus, with Venus obviously much further away in space on the other side of the solar system. Now, these two very different kinds of Sun-Venus conjunctions look exactly the same on the natal chart, with one difference. At the inferior conjunction, Venus is always retrograde. At the superior conjunction, it's always direct. Uh, if you're listening to this, you might want to refer to the text version of, uh, of, of my, my newsletter for, for what follows. It's, it won't be necessary, but here it comes. I would say, have a look at figure one. It's a list of both kinds of Sun-Venus conjunctions over the past eight years. In the P1 column, with one glance, you will see the basic secrets of the solar system, at least about Venus. Every other Sun-Venus conjunction happens with Venus retrograde. That means that inferior and superior conjunctions of Venus alternate. But that's only the beginning of the mysteries here. The time between one inferior conjunction and the next one is 584 days. 583.92 days to be precise. That never varies. The third one occurs 584 days after the second one, and so on around the circle. Interestingly, at the sixth inferior conjunction, the Sun-Venus alignment has returned to within a couple of degrees of its starting point. That means that we have a cycle of five inferior conjunctions followed by the whole cycle rebooting. 
If you're engaged with the text version of all this, take another look at figure one. You'll see that the inferior conjunction that occurs on this coming August 13th happens at 20 degrees 28 minutes of Leo. 20 degrees 28 of Leo. On August 15th of 2015, a similar conjunction happened at nearly the same place, 22 degrees 39 minutes of Leo, just a couple of degrees away. It always works that way. Once again, after five inferior Sun-Venus conjunctions, the cycle starts over again in almost exactly the same zodiacal degree. You can think of this Venus cycle the same way we think of the musical octave. The, the word octave makes it sound like it means eight notes, but it really just means seven. The eighth note is actually the start of the new octave, and we're really hungry to start it. Just try stopping here. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. Okay, go ahead. Do, right? Uh, that's like the sixth inferior conjunction. That's the way it feels the new cycle starts. It gets weirder. The time that elapsed between the first of those two Sun-Venus conjunctions, inferior conjunctions in Leo, and its echo five cycles later is almost exactly eight years. Actually, eight years minus two days, eight hours. Always, invariably, in any series, the sixth repetition of the conjunction starts a new octave after eight years have passed. Now, if we plot the positions of any five successive inferior conjunctions of Venus and the Sun, something even stranger emerges, the famous Venus pentangle. If you're reading this, you'll see figure two, which maps out the last five inferior conjunctions and also shows the one happening this month. And just as we saw, its position, the one this month, coincides closely with the conjunction that happened eight years earlier in 2015. Now, within rough limits, the five points where these inferior conjunctions occurred are all separated by quintile aspects of 72 degrees, one-fifth of the circle. In other words, together they trace out a familiar shape, a five-pointed star. That's, of course, a symbol with a long tradition. We see it all the time on flags. Another place we see it is in Wiccan practices and very likely an awareness of the, this eight-year Venus pentangle is very much at the root of that. So we have an eight-year Venus cycle defined by a five-pointed star. You take those two numbers a step further, eight times five is 40. And there we hit another magic number, although this one takes a little bit more thought to grasp. It turns out that there is a 40-year Venusian cycle, too. What's tricky about it is that in order to understand it, we need to add the planet Mercury to our thinking. Remember our archery target with the sun and the bullseye? Mercury is the first ring out. At the fifth repetition, of the eight-year pentangle cycle of inferior Venus-Sun conjunctions, Mercury appears in the sky in the same relationship with them. Once again, you may want to look at the text version of this. Have a look at figure three. Here we have two charts set up for 40 years apart within a couple of weeks. 
Each chart is calculated for the inferior Sun-Venus conjunction. I arbitrarily set them up for Borrego Springs, California, where I live, but you could have set them up anywhere on the planet. We're not interested in houses here. Uh, it's all about sign and degree positions. Now, in the chart for August 24th of 83, we see the Sun-Venus alignment in early Virgo, with Mercury 26 degrees, 29 minutes ahead of the Sun. That's the critical number. Now, in the chart for August 13th of 2023, upcoming 40 years later, we see the Sun-Venus alignment in 20 degrees of Leo, but with Mercury in Virgo, 27 degrees, one minute ahead of the Sun. The first one, it's about 26 and a half degrees ahead. In the second one, it's one minute more than 27 degrees ahead of the Sun. That same Sun-Venus-Mercury structure is repeated with a 40-year cycle to a very, very close tolerance of accuracy. There's another way that uh, 40 is a magic number when it comes to Venus, at least more or less. Interestingly, in this 584-day cycle between the inferior Venus-Sun conjunctions, Venus is retrograde during that for about 40 days. The timing is actually variable, and an average runs a little longer than 40 days, but it's interesting to see 40 being so closely with these two basic Venus rhythms. The 40-year one is, is really solid, 40 days. Venus basically retrograde for 40 days out of each cycle. You can't help but wonder if it has something to do with why that number comes up so often in the Bible. Remember Noah's Ark? It rained for 40 days and 40 nights when God wanted to cleanse the world and start over again. Then Noah waited another 40 days after it rained before he opened a window. And now Moses was on the mountaintop downloading the Ten Commandments for 40 days. The Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. Goliath strutted his stuff for 40 days before being killed by David. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus was first seen again. 40 days after the crucifixion. There is enough astrology hidden in the Bible to give a Bible-thumping fundamentalist apoplexy, but it's not just in the Bible. Even in ancient Egypt, embalming a mummy required 40 days. That's because in their traditions, it took 40 days for a departing soul to prepare for the afterlife. Now, how much of this goes back to an ancestral understanding of these Venus cycles. It would be hard to credit the notion that all that was coincidence. Let me give you one more. We've now seen a Venus cycle of 584 days, one of eight years, and one of 40 years. Are you ready for one more? The Venus pentagram itself completely retrogrades all the way around the zodiac and back to its starting point in 760 cycles, or about 1,215 years. I'm not sure what that one means, but how to apply all this in practice? Uh, so far, it's maybe interesting, but hasn't been astrological in the sense of something that we can relate to our own lives in a human way. I, I think we'll prove that we can. A core practical principle of astrology is that slower-moving planets tell a deeper story than the fast ones. 
Pluto, for example, has a lot more time to develop depth and complexity of meaning in your life than does a firefly transit of Mercury. With the fast planets, Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, we mostly find them reaching their maximum long-term usefulness in the form of progressions and solar arcs, which are slower. The fact has has tended to leave transiting Venus on the sidelines in a typical year. It covers all the signs, never spending very long anywhere. But now we have an eight-year Venus cycle, and perhaps a 40-year one as well. Those are all slow enough to develop real depth of meaning, if only we knew how to harness them. The problem with finding a practical application for the Venus pentangle is that it doesn't seem to relate to your own chart in a personal way. Here's the issue. One of the five inferior conjunctions might happen to fall on a sensitive point for you. That's worth noting. But really, it's just a fast-moving, transiting conjunction of the Sun and Venus hitting a natal planet, quickly moving on. There is also no astrological reason to assume that the next inferior conjunction, 19 months later, will also hit one of your astrological buttons. Remember, they're all separated by multiples of about 72 degrees. doesn't correspond to any major aspects, so it all gets randomized pretty quickly. In other words, bottom line, no one can ever say that the Venus pentangle is currently squaring my moon or anything like that. In other words, our familiar astrological techniques fail. There's hope, though. The more familiar Saturn cycle might perhaps provide a way of understanding these Venus cycles. Here's what I mean. Uh, we know that Saturn takes just under three decades to get around the sun. So everyone has a Saturn return as they approach the age of 30, another one as they approach 60. Those are powerful, impactful events. Here's the question. Could there be a similar eight-year Venus rhythm hardwired into life and human consciousness, just like we see with Saturn? Now, what kinds of turning points would these Venus pentangle returns, so to speak, then mark? Presumably, they would bear strongly upon relationships and our capacity for intimacy. Obviously, by this logic, we would be looking at reaching age 8, age 16, age 24, and so on, all multiples of 8. I want to be careful not to force the data here. Judge for yourself whether the simple schema which follows seems convincing and real to you. I am aware, as I write, that I am speaking in broad generalizations. But with the Saturn cycle, we generalize quite successfully about the basic psychology of youth, midlife, and old age, or the cycle of the elder. So maybe it will work here too. What follows is painted in similarly broad terms. Also, as with everything in astrology, there are ways to get these seasons of Venus right, ways to get them wrong, and all of this, by the way, is covered in a lot more detail in my The Book of the Earth. So here's how it goes. Around age eight, we are generally expected to stop whining, to learn to suck up our disappointments and frustrations, and to begin to exercise some sense of self-control and responsibility towards other people. 
Our social relationships at school, for example, begin to have, shall we say, political ramifications and complications with much focus on hierarchy and status. We begin to compare ourselves to others outside the family, age eight. Around age 16, dating, courtship, and some degree of sexual expression are expected and generally culturally supported. All the mythology around turning sweet 16 applies here. Typically around now, we become obsessed with appearing to be desirable and painfully aware or afraid, I should say, that we are not. Now, eight more years, around age 24, we have reached a plausible, socially supported age for marriage and commitment, perhaps for starting a family. We have now probably left home. Our primary relationships have become voluntary rather than based on kinship ties. Lifelong friendships are forming. We are learning to choose people, age 24. Around age 32, our sexual energies are probably peaking. Youthful liaisons and breakups and dramatic sexual affairs are extremely common. We retreat somewhat from running with our crowd and become more identified with our primary partnerships. The world begins to see us as adults with all the attendant societal expectations. There's a fair chance that we're parents. Around age 40, we are in classic territory of the midlife crisis. We begin to realize the spiritual price we have paid for our Venusian status, for getting other people to like us, to respect us, to fear us, whatever. But enormous psychic pressure arises either to surrender and accept our currently established relationships or to recoil in horror from them. Now, up through this point, and uh, again, around age 40, with his, which is the fifth return, I, I feel comfortable with everything that I have written. It all feels intuitively correct to me, not forced, as if we're trying to twist reality into the shape of an astrological theory. As I begin to think about turning 48, 56, and beyond, my ideas do begin to feel forced. So I'll stop at age 40. I suspect the Venus cycle continues to have meaning, but individuation is so advanced by that point that it becomes hard to make any similarly simple statements. Perhaps some of you can take it further. Perhaps you can add to the little bit that I have written here based on your own reflections about yourself and your friends. In doing that, I, I think it would be good for astrology, probably good for the world too. Collectively, I think it's time we got past our paranoia about pentagrams and thinking it's witchcraft. Maybe it is witchcraft, but let's not be afraid. Now, there is another way of looking at the Venus pentangle. I have to say I'm going to get very personal here. It's the only way I know to proceed. If I happen to be sleepless in the wee hours... My mind often turns to a meditation upon this Venus cycle. Eight years is a simple number. It's easy to work with. I encourage you to try this little experiment I'm about to describe too. If nothing else, it will help you sleep. And you might also make a helpful astrological discovery as well. Now, here's how it works. Simply choose any big, specifically Venusian turning point 
in your life. That means an actual event of an intimate nature. An obvious choice would be a romantic milestone. Most of us have had a few of those, and they tend to loom large in our memories. We often remember the dates, too, at least within a few months, and that's close enough. I'm talking about our first meetings with significant people in our lives. We're talking about marriages, divorces, breakups, and, and so on. Such events are always heralded by conventional astrological configurations. But my hypothesis is that strings of such events might be linked in time in a way that reflects the eight-year rhythm of the Venus cycle. I'm quick to say this is nothing but speculation, but at least there's a surefire way to test it. Just take a walk down memory lane. Go back exactly eight years before any one of those romantic events in your own life. Go forward eight years into the future. Then ask yourself the obvious question, were those significant moments in your intimate life too? Perhaps even more importantly, can you tie them all together in a developmental pattern with significant interconnected steps linked in meaning but separated by multiples of eight years of time. Note that this is no longer about turning 8, 16, 24, and so on. If it's true, it's an internal evolutionary rhythm that we can only detect from looking at events in your life rather than at any configurations in the sky. This is obviously not a standard astrological technique. Well, because of the deeply personal nature of the planet Venus, much of people's actual experience in this intimate category is not a matter of public record. That makes it difficult to research these matters by using the life stories of famous people, for example, conventional method of astrological research. Uh, for one obvious example, the date of your first experience of sexual intercourse could be a natural anchor point in the Venus cycle. But Google as you will, you're still not lucky to discover that information about very many people. It's personal. Now, how clockwork do these events have to be? Perhaps we know the exact date on which we met someone significant to us. So astrologically, we know that exactly eight years later, minus two days and eight hours, this hypothetical inner rhythm of the Venus cycle chimed again. But the odds are long against anything particularly significant happening on precisely that day. Always in astrology, we allow orbs, tolerances around those dates of exactitude. There's no reason to think we would not do the same thing here. With an eight-year cycle, I find it plausible that we might allow an orb of a few months. Let me make all of this come alive for you by telling you some of those personal stories I've mentioned. This is about how I've found this cycle working in practice in my own life. I tell these stories plus a few more in the Book of Earth once again, by the way. Much of what follows is actually excerpted from that book. For a while, when I was a freshman in college, I was a subject at the then famous uh, J.B. Rhine Psychical Research Laboratories at Duke University. By day, the researchers were strictly scientists, but by night things got a little weirder and a lot more open to strange possibilities. One spring evening in 1968, 
I was experimenting with the Ouija board with a fellow named Walt, who was also a subject there at the Rhine Institute. He and I felt the planchette seemingly moving of its own accord, guided by some invisible entity. By the way, my roommate then was a physics major, and he'd snuck a compass into the room. He said that at the instant that Walt and I made contact with the spirit, the compass needle swung 40 degrees and pointed directly at us. Something was definitely going on in that room. Being 19 years old, I naturally asked the spirit about my prospects for finding a girlfriend. The spirit, using the planchette, spelled out that I would meet her, and this is a quote, very late in May. Now, at about 11.45 p.m. on Friday, May 31st, 1968, I arrived at my family home with a couple of friends. My sister Jan was down in the basement entertaining a few of her friends. That's where I met Mary Jo, the love of my life, and immediately fell in love very late in May. Again, 11.45 p.m., 15 minutes left in May. At the time, I wasn't even thinking of the Spirit's prophecy on the Ouija board. Those goosebumps only hit me much later. Now, Mary Jo and I were kids, you know, our relationship didn't last, but I, I still think of her fondly. We represented uh, important developed milestones for each other. I can honestly say that it was with her that I first felt anything like the deep soul-seeing kind of love that characterizes healthy adult intimacy. We lost touch with each other long, long ago, but I think she might still say the same thing about our relationship herself. Now watch what happens when we bring the Venus pentangle into play. Going back in time, eight years from that date, in very late May of 1968, I just turned 11 years old, and the roaring 1960s had just begun. I, I have one of those diamond moments of lucid memory from around that time. I was at a New Year's Eve party with my church youth group. It was near midnight on December 31st, 1959 just six months away from that Venus Pentacle moment based on meeting Mary Jo eight years later. The ball fell in Times Square, and I looked at my friend Janice. Our eyes met. I saw beyond myself into another soul, probably for the first time in my life. I remember that moment as if it were yesterday. The great goddess Venus awakened something in me. I was only 11. Janice and I never even kissed, but I believe that in that lucid Venusian moment, I began to learn why people kiss. And eight years later, I experienced an enormous enthusiasm for kissing Mary Jo and gazing into her eyes. Now, I would be the first to admit that all of this is extremely subjective. I can only say that it is totally honest. Nothing about any of this feels forced or phony to me as if we're trying to prove something. I would also like to say that in my opinion, using our own charts and lives as learning tools in astrology is not only legitimate astrological search, but also absolutely necessary. How could I possibly have access to data such as these two deeply personal stories by Googling some movie star or political figure? Once again, this kind of material is mostly far too intimate ever to be part of anyone's public record. Now, going eight years forward in time from that anchor point with Mary Jo, 
brings us to mid-1976. Shortly thereafter, my friend, my girlfriend, Michelle, and I quit our jobs, bought a sailboat, and went cruising down the east coast of the United States. We got really bonded. Those months changed my life forever. Before sailing, before that sailing adventure, I had jobs, but afterwards I was a full-time astrological counselor. And that's Venus work too, of counseling people. And Venus fashion, Michelle and I got married about five months after that pentangle peak. It didn't last long, but again, hey, we were young people. Move eight more years forward, and it is 1984. In January of that year, I married Jody Jensen, with whom I spent almost an entire Saturn cycle. If I chose to start my Venus pentangle clock with my little friend Janice and that story, the resonance with my marriage to Jody becomes accurate within less than a week, but 16 years later. Now, I could go on, but these episodes are enough to illustrate how all of this works in practice. I suppose it could all be dismissed as anecdotal and personal, and indeed, before anything deserves to be read into the record as uh, an astrological gold standard. It must demonstrate that it is reliable and generalizable. I'm not making that big claim here. Works for me is not enough to justify saying it will work for everyone. But for me, it is at least strong enough evidence for me to be happy about putting this way of looking at the Venus cycle out there and encouraging you to see if it works for you too. My guts tell me that this floating Venus pentangle anchored to turning point by a graphical events rather than to technical aspects has a future in our craft. Next time you have insomnia, give it a try. It's easy. All you have to do is remember some approximate dates in your own intimate life and to be able to add and subtract the number eight. This newsletter has obviously been longer and something of a ramble, the latter part has been a whole lot more personal than I usually am. I hope you've enjoyed the ride and that perhaps I planted some seeds in a few of you, seeds that might sprout and help keep astrology growing in some new directions. Meanwhile, let's remember that the whole world is rebooting its relationship with Venus on August 13th. We're planting a seed that will flower in 2031. So until then, remember... All you need is love. Thank you, and bye-bye.